The Sex Ed with Tim podcast is recorded on the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabeg, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit, and Métis people. We acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13, signed with the Mississaugas of the Credit, and the Williams Treaty, signed with multiple Mississaugas and Chippewa bands. You're listening to Sex Ed with Tim. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Sex Ed with Tim podcast. I'm your host, Tim. I'm a certified sex educator. I identify as a chaotic homosexual. <laughs> and I have a long sex drive. That's because my fuck buddy lives four hours away. Ugh. Mm. Long sex drive. <laughs> but that's what we're going to be talking about today. Sex drives, mismatched libidos, what's going on. How do we get to a place where our libidos do match? And who better to talk about this than the one, the only, Carlisle Jensen. Carlisle, how are you doing today? Hello, I'm great. So nice to be here with you, Tim. Thanks so much for the invitation. Thank you so much for coming on the show because... For the listeners who are not familiar, if you probably skip over the ads for whatever reason, Carlisle is the founder, the CEO of Good For Her, <laughs> the one that you see me raving on all over social media with all the sex toys and everything. I love their products. I love all the workshops that they provide. It is just amazing. But for anyone who's not familiar with your work, Carlisle, can you please introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah, so I founded Good For Her 25 years ago and uh, started out as a vehicle for education, pleasure, products, and so Good For Her is still going. And then in the meantime, I also have become a sex therapist. And so I'm now working with individuals who are looking to enhance their sex lives, resolve different challenges that they might have. And so what I do is I blend sort of a practical how-to approach with therapy. That's awesome. And I feel like a lot of people need that right now, especially when we're also like touch deprived in the mm -hmm. pandemic. And we're yeah. all like, I feel like being in quarantine for so long, we're just coming out of quarantine mm -hmm. and our sex drives must be like all over the place or like it, it wasn't where it used to be pre-COVID. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, things have really changed. And it also depends on whether you live with a partner or don't, right? You know, some people at the beginning of the pandemic, it was great. It's like, oh, I've always wanted more time with you. And then after a few months, it's like, okay, wait a second. We need a little bit of time away to miss each other, to crave each other, to um, see each other in a sexy way, not just, you know, the person who left the dishes in the sink and, you know, uh, seeing me first thing in the morning when I don't feel so good and my hair's all whatever. So, you know, it's impacted different people, people who are single and who are in long distance relationships or who've been trying to date. It's been really, really hard because our traditional forms of meeting people and dating have been restricted. Some of us have been more nervous about meeting people than others because of health issues or just concerns. So it's been a real mixed bag. Yeah, I know what you mean. I have a bunch of friends. They're living together. They're like, oh my God, we're going to be fucking this entire quarantine. Yes. And then after like a month, they're like, I'm already so sick of you. <laughs> so For sure. boring. For like, sure. Oh my goodness. There's so many things that are affecting our libidos and our sex drives. But let's go back to basics first. Um, mm -hmm. Can you explain to us what is libido? Well, libidos basically our sex drive and it's our desire to have sex, um, desire for sexual activity, but it's it's different than, say, hunger or thirst. You're not going to die if you don't have sex. You might feel... I will. 
<laughs> you know, <laughs> you might feel alone. You might feel bummed out. You might feel like something's missing. Certainly there are impacts, no question. But, and it might feel like you're going to die without it, right? But it's different than other drives. And also important, and I think this is this is key, is that I think there's a lot of ideas that, ah, because we don't need sex in order to survive as an individual, we need it as a species, but we don't need it as an individual. It's not important, you know, your sex drive, whatever, you can live without it. Well, you know, it is important to a lot of people. I think it, that's key to acknowledge. Yeah, How? why is it that some people feel like, sex is not a key component in their lives because i know in maslow's hierarchy of needs sex is like at the bottom rung together mm -hmm. with food and shelter and air why do some people feel like they should just ignore it well i think certainly you know some people who are asexual or who have a low libido which are two very different things you know, it's just not high on their radar, right? Um, mm. And it's not something that you get a lot of maybe um, satisfaction from emotionally, right? Everyone's a little bit different. Some people, it's just not something they're interested in. And then, of course, you've got people who have sexual trauma. You have folks who sex isn't really pleasurable. It might even be painful. Of course, that's then not going to be very important for them. Although even still, it can be important, but there's just barriers, right? And emotional and physical barriers to get through in order to have the kind of sex that they, they want to have. So, and then for others, it's like, hugely satisfying emotionally, physically, it's pleasurable. It's uh, an activity that they really enjoy. It seems to be easy for some people, you know, you don't have challenges with erection, you don't have challenges with orgasm, it sort of works the way you oh, want it to, to. be young again. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I also say like, you know, why is it that I like chocolate ice cream and you like vanilla? Who knows, right? And so so some of us have a high libido and I do think it's partly innate and partly um, our biology and partly our experiences. And some of us don't. Is there such a thing as a normal level of libido or like a normal sex drive? I, I wouldn't say so. I mean, I'm sure if you look at studies and how do you measure it anyways, right? How yeah. do you measure libido? Is it that you want to have sex eight times a week versus two times a week? Or is it that satisfying sex, you know, includes X, Y, and Z, and therefore that, that, you know, have a libido for that, but you don't like some people, a libido is satisfied by self pleasure and others, it's not satisfied, it doesn't go away, you still feel that drive for connection, even when you pleasure yourself, or even when you have certain kinds of sex, it's not satisfying enough. So I don't know how you measure it. But certainly, there's a huge range of what we experience. And as long as it's not interfering with our work, it's not interfering with our relationships in a sense that we can still be in relationship, as long as it's something that doesn't get in the way of our lives, great, celebrate your high libido and have your needs met in ways that are consensual and ethical. So really when it comes to uh regular quote unquote regular levels of libido normal is very subjective to each individual yeah i mean the most common question that i've had for the last 25 years is am i normal yeah and so, so people you know they feel not normal if they want sex once a day or they've been told by a partner that that's not normal or that they only want sex once a month or they've been told that's not normal or they're turned on by certain things or they're not turned on by certain things or they like sex a certain way or they don't like sex a certain way we have these norms that tell us that we're supposed to be a certain way especially sexually and that just doesn't apply. It, 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 there isn't a normal. Mm -hmm. What's normal is everyone is everywhere. Everyone exactly. is on a spectrum. Yeah. Because like back when I was like 19 or 20, I would be having sex like three times a day with mm -hmm. like a different partner all the time. And mm -hmm. boy, howdy, do I miss those days. <laughs> yeah. What do you miss about them? 
like just the variety and the amount of stamina I had and mm-hmm. the the how easy it was. Well, I am very mm-hmm. easy. Um, but <laughs> mm-hmm. uh like it was just so nice to have so many different options and and mm-hmm. my partners and everything. But now like I'm going into my thirties and I have noticed a very significant change in the way I have sex. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with just once a month now. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with uh mm-hmm. vanilla. Because I used to like engage mm-hmm. in so much kink and BDSM and fetishes, and right. that was great at the time. But now yeah. I'm like, I have a back problems. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also like diabetic, so I cannot be mm-hmm. eating your flavored lube all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So age is just like, oh, my goodness, well, what's going on? Yeah. I mean, our hormones certainly rage. Right. When we're teenagers, not for everybody. There's lots of people who say like they didn't experience that. And that can sometimes be that they didn't really understand who they were attracted to or um, sex didn't make sense to them or they didn't feel safe to explore or they just didn't have a high libido. (laughs) Right. And certainly testosterone makes a huge difference in our libido and what studies have shown and certainly from personal experience with friends and partners, you know, people who were say born with a vagina and take testosterone, right, the libido really shifts and changes. And the same thing with people who are born with penises, and take estrogen, you know, our sex drive is is moderated by that. So your testosterone level in someone with a penis will decrease over time and make a difference. You know, those of us with uh, vaginas, we also have testosterone. And we can sometimes have too low testosterone. Sometimes our other hormones are impacting things. And, um, you know, there's this traditional thing that says, you know, folks with penises peach their highest peak of libido around 18. And those with vulvas, it's around 35. You know, I'm not, I think that's more about by the time those of us with vaginas are 35, we've decided, okay, I'm not having sex just for a partner's pleasure. I'm not going to endure. Um, I, you know, I now have some social and economic power. I can ask, know how to ask for what I want. I've done some reading, some thinking. I've talked to friends. I now know what I want and I'm going after it. Wow, now sex feels great. I want more of it. <laughs> Give it to me all of it. Well, and I've had several clients who were in relationships that weren't really great. They, you know, the sex wasn't pleasurable. And as um, Dr. Peggy Kleinplatz out of Ottawa says, it wasn't sex worth wanting, right? If you go to a restaurant and you don't enjoy the food, are you excited about going back? Mm. Not usually, right? Mm. So if sex isn't very good, you're not going to want it. And if you don't know how to make it better, or you feel like your partner doesn't understand you or doesn't seem to care or whatever, you're not going to want it. And so I've met tons of people who the relationship ended. They're in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. They've decided, I don't care if I ever have sex again. You know, that's fine. And then they meet someone. And they're Mm. and they're like, they're attracted to them. And things are exciting. And sex is good. And they're like, oh, my God, I didn't know I had a libido, right? (laughs) There's so much that's context dependent about whether we're turned on or not. What are some of those other contexts besides uh, what we've mentioned, like hormones and age? Yeah. um, So um, trauma, right? That, Mm. And when we work through trauma, that can really uh, make a difference. If you have a challenge, I have tons of clients, you have a challenge with erection, your penis doesn't work the way you want it to, not interested in sex, right? Orgasm doesn't work and work for people of any kind. You avoid sex because it's too painful, right? There's, there's emotional discomfort. So your body avoids and so you you low your libido gets lower. Pain, diabetes can make a difference, high blood pressure, arthritis. Another I have thing, all three. All three. There you go. Okay. Certainly so, some drugs will affect our libido. Birth control hormones can definitely impact for some people. Antidepressants sometimes make us more interested in sex but make sex uh, make orgasm more challenging. Uh, smoking, drugs, all of those fun things. 
pregnancy really varies. At the beginning, often we're really fatigued and we're just like, oh, and fatigue in general, right, makes us less interested in sex. Second trimester is usually seen as the horny trimester. We got hormones pumping. I remember I was like wet all the time. I was like, okay, bring it on. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At your and second then, trimester, you're oh, just yeah, like for sure. horny all the time. Yeah. Wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had fantasies coming in. I hadn't had fantasies before. They were just like rolling through. I just couldn't get enough of them. Third trimester, a lot of people get tired and it's harder. And so some people, the the arousal drops off, didn't so much for me. And then after birth, your hormones totally kick in and, uh, or they change, sorry. And especially if you're breastfeeding, you're, uh, you release prolactin. And basically your body is saying, I got one or maybe multiple, you know, babies going on here. Not a good time to have another baby, right? <laughs> I got one to look after. So you don't, you don't lubricate, you don't ovulate, and your um, sexual desire has gone way down. On top of that, you're exhausted and you've got, you know, a human pawing you all the time. The last thing you want is another human pawing you all the time. So pregnancy, it really varies. human on my nipple. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, and then of course, low sexual self-esteem, low body image esteem, relationship challenges. You know, I'm pissed off at you because you don't, you know, pull your weight or because you've been rude to me or because I don't feel listened to. Am I going to want to have sex with you? Some people, that doesn't matter. And for others, it makes a big difference. Oh, my God. I'm just imagining, like, people who have been locked up for the last two, three years or whatever, they're mm -hmm. going to, like, get at each other's throats for just not doing the dishes or something. Oh, for That's sure. That's just totally going to throw your yeah. whole sex yeah. plans uh, in, like, wow. Right. It's just going to fuck it up. Yeah. Unless you're the kind of person who likes makeup sex or who can compartmentalize. I'm pissed off at you here, but you know what? I still am hot for you and want to have sex, right? And so for some people that can still work. It really depends on the individual. And also lockdown has really exacerbated what was already there. So if there were challenges underneath the surface, like you sort of let the dishes slide because whatever, when you're together 24-7, it kind of bugs you a little more and it becomes more of an issue. And so there's a little more bickering, infighting, or full-blown out, like, I don't know if this is going to work. Right, right. I also uh, am very into compartmentalizing things. Like, that issue was there. Let's yeah. keep it at that part. Right, yeah. And then we'll bring other things here into the bedroom, into the dungeon or whatever you have yeah. here in your house. Well, but the other thing is, though, that sex can really help with those, not help with those other issues. But, you know, um, in my experience, and with a lot of clients, I don't know what the studies say, but that, um, you know, if you have sex regularly, you kind of feel better about each other, you connect more with each other, you know, the next day, you're a little lighter, and you're not so worried, you know, it doesn't piss you off so much if your partner leaves the dishes in the sink, you're a little more forgiving, right? So it is, it can be a bit of a glue that keeps you together and keeps you a little more harmonious. I will use my asshole to get my boyfriend to do the laundry <laughs> with the power that I have. <laughs> Absolutely. Go for it. Like, if you want me to be happy, you will fold the laundry and then I will give right. you what you want. Babe. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Using sex as power. Is that manipulation? I don't know, but it gets the jurors done, right? You know, as long as you know what you're doing and everybody knows what you're doing, right? We negotiate all kinds of things. I'll do the dishes if you take out the garbage, right? And, you know, I, I have known people who have had lists like on the fridge, you know, if you do this, this and this, that include that equates one blowjob. Right. <laughs> if you do these four other things, that equates whatever. Like, you know, as long as everybody's upfront about it, you know, why, why not? You know, it doesn't work for everybody, obviously. But if it works for you, I say go for it. I feel like that's a fun thing to have, like, uh, at a couple's fridge or something. Like, if you fold the laundry, I will eat you out for an hour. <laughs> mm hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Like, 
that that'll be a fun little technique to get chores done and to keep your love life sparking right yeah absolutely <laughs> we'll be right back after this commercial break yes Hello, all my little sluts. It's me, Mama Slut. Hope you're enjoying the show so far. I just wanted to hop on here real quick to let you in on a sexy little deal. Do you like feeling sexy and looking sexy? Of course you do. Only my listeners are sexy as fuck. I have partnered with fetishwear designer Dale Kuda to bring you the hottest deals on custom jock straps, harnesses, hats, and more. Head over to dalekuda.com, that's D-A-L-E-K-U-D-A.com, and use code SEXEDWITHTIM at checkout for 25% off the entire store. Yeah, you heard me, 25% off. And, cherry on top, free shipping, oh my god. <laughs> I have a few of the stuff that he has made for me, and... Girl, I'm wearing it right now. I'm wearing like a little jock strap so that I could easily just like slip a little butt plug or dildo every now and then here and there. And I'm on the train. I'm just like, uh, 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 thank you, Dale. <laughs> That's dalecuda.com with the code sexedwithtim for 25% off your entire purchase with free shipping. With a deal like that, I swear I could come buckets, honey. <laughs> Hey, you disgusting pervs. We all like sex toys, right? Nipple clamps, vibrators, masturbators, oh my. Good For Her has one of the best selection of sex toys, learning resources, online workshops, and gender expression materials you can't find anywhere else. Go to goodforher.com and use code sexedwithtim10 for 10% off your purchase of any of the toys bought online. That's G-O-O-D-F-O-R-H-E-R.com and the code S-E-X-E-D-W-I-T-H-T-I-M-1-0 at checkout for 10% off your purchase of any of the toys bought online. And they ship worldwide. Trans-inclusive, feminist, and pleasure-focused, Good For Her has been doing the Lord's work since 1997, bringing you everything you need to get that... Uh... Uh... The show is about to begin. Yes. I want to briefly mention this because I just watched The Big Sex Talk, CBC Gem, your episode. I was like, oh my God, fangirl. Oh, you're Uh, so sweet. I highly recommend everyone watch it on CBC Gem, The Big Sex Talk. Your episode was on, I believe it was Aging. Yes. Sex and aging. Yeah. So uh, do you believe that sex and like we can keep our sex drive uh, as high as it is in our 20s when we get into like, say, our 80s? As high as I, I mean, there might be some people who do, but I think for most of us, it isn't just like I can't, you know, go stay out until 4 a.m. dancing like I did Ugh. when I was, you I know, be in bed in by my nine. Teens. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. I'm, I I want to go to the tea dance, right? Or at yeah. least clubs to open at eight and close at 11. That's my dream. Hmm. You know, I can go I can go to bed at midnight anyways. So <clears throat> I think I think part of it is that. Um, and what Peggy Kleinplatz has found with her optimal sexual experiences uh, research has shown is that people who have satisfying sex lives into their 50s, 60s, 70s with long-term partners, right? So because we know that like novelty is always exciting, but that with a long-term partner, how do you keep that exciting? It's all about thinking outside the box. So if my penis doesn't work the way I want it to, I can still have fun sex and work with that. If I don't orgasm easily, I bring toys into it. And that's part of the game. If intercourse doesn't work because it's painful and or a penis doesn't work, we find other ways to do it. And so what they found is that makes what what makes a satisfying sex life, which again is going to contribute to your libido being higher, is things like taking risks. 
trying new things. And it's not about like 50 new sex positions. It's about being willing to engage in what our other person, our other partner or partners are interested in, risking saying something different, like talking dirty. And novelty can be even like changing which way you face on the bed. Um, being <laughs> vulnerable, being honest, right? Like, you know how you've been sticking your tongue in my ear for all this time? Actually, I don't really like it. It doesn't really turn me on. Or what I'd really enjoy is doing more full body touch. Or, you know, I really want you to throw me down on the bed and just take me, right? Whatever it happens to be, that if we can be open and honest and vulnerable, take risks, listen to each other, empathize with each other, value what our partner wants, have compassion for them. All of those things make a hot and heavy sex life, which you can do at any age. And again, it doesn't necessarily mean that you, you know, does it mean that you're having sex once a day like you did when you're 18? Maybe not. It might be that you and your partner are happy with once a week, once a month, once every two months. Who's to say that's not great and hot? If that's what you want, that's what you want and that you're creating the sex that you enjoy and it's not measured by how many orgasms or how frequent it is it's by how satisfied you are how much you enjoy engaging in it and the other piece i think that's really significant is that the model that we have is of spontaneous desire the model that we've been given and that many of us experience in our teens or at the beginning of a relationship is sex is on the brain I'm thinking about it all the time and we're planning things. I'm like, okay, how do I want to seduce my partner this time? And I want to do it in the back of the car and I want to try a new outfit. And Let's I go wanted... bungee jumping. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. I want wow. to do it, you know, uh, you know, when the kids are away and, you know, on the living room couch or whatever. Right. So we get excited about this. As time goes on, many of us don't experience that spontaneous desire as much. And we're like, oh, don't you just want to cuddle on the couch and watch the big sex talk rather than have sex, <laughs> right? <clears throat> so this is really normal. And so what for, it is for many of us is it's not that like, oh my God, I'm horny. I want to jump you right now. It's like, hmm, sex is important to me. I feel good when we have sex. I enjoy our sexual connection. I'm not feeling horny right now, but let's see. I, I'm open to making out and seeing what happens, or let's have a shower together and see where it goes, or let's, you know, uh, play, I don't know, naked, you know, cribbage Twister. and see, naked <laughs> see cribbage? what happens, right? <clears throat> right? See if we get turned on. I don't know. Make whatever, a goldfish. <laughs> whatever tends to get you turned on, right? We all have our turn-ons. Is it making out? Is it full body touch? Is it lying in bed sharing feelings? Is it starting with a shower together? Because lots of us feel sexy when we feel clean. Um, Whatever it is, and let's do that and see where it leads to. And sometimes it'll just be a make-out session or a really fun shower. And sometimes it'll lead to sex. But that we're not waiting to feel horny to have sex. We're finding times when we're open to connecting, like, hmm, I have some time, you have some time, I want to feel intimate with you, and not thinking about sex, but thinking about connection, pleasure, intimacy, and seeing if it leads to something that feels more like sex to you or not. So both partners have to be open to it not leading to something, but that then maybe Three times a month you have makeout sessions and and another time it leads to sex, right? Which is better than never having sex or not feeling connected. So um, I think if we shift our model to I need to be horny in order to have sex, and this is not about having sex when you don't want to have sex, right? It's about let's start with having some connecting time. And let's see if that turns me on and you on and seeing if it, we both want something else. And I think that's really key. I like that. I like the thought of uh, you and your partner sitting beside a candlelight, just breathing. And then all of a sudden it leads mm. to anal. Like, Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Like, and just allowing that to happen. The other thing is that our, our, our minds and bodies are so full of busyness, anxiety. Those are all things that, that make it hard for us to feel desire that hard for us to feel horny for hard for us to get into the mood so if we can slow down you know a lot of heterosexual males will say let's have a glass of wine maybe some cannabis 
and look, look what happens, right? My partner's in the mood. And part of that is just winding down, reducing inhibitions about, oh, I'm too fat. I'm too this. I'm not sexy enough. Da, 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 da. Letting go of, of the, what ails you from the day in life. And like, wow, here's this, a person I really care about in front of me that's really sexy. And again, that's a stereotype that, you know, that's heterosexual women. It happens for all kinds of people. And there is an element of taking down anxiety, letting go of the day that seems to really work for a lot of people. And that's why it's so important to have that moment of connection rather than being for horny. Sure. Like you need right. to to communicate with your partner or partners and just say, hey, this is what I'm feeling right now. I may not be horny at the moment. I'm just really stressed out. So yeah. you mind if we just like cuddle and watch Netflix and see where it goes? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that goes for anyone, right? <clears throat> just sort of listening, allow, giving yourself space to listen to your body and to connect. Because so many partners will also say like, the only time you come and kiss me or the only time you touch me is when you want it to lead to sex. And then we don't feel very good. Some yeah. Of us. I'm like, I'm not just a fuck toy. I'm a person yeah. with feelings. Yeah, for sure. And I, I like to feel loved in many different ways. Now, again, not everybody needs that. But for many of us who face those challenges where we're not turned on all the time and we don't feel like having sex all the time, sometimes it's about looking a little deeper into terms of what's going to bring that turn on for us. Mm -hmm. Like we need to do a lot of, I guess, internal work to see what gives us pleasure, what turns us on, what makes us aroused or what just makes us feel happy. Mm -hmm. no. Sometimes I, I give us homework to say, go home <clears throat> and write three erotic scenes. If you were going to, you know, appear in a porn film tomorrow, how would that scene go? Who would initiate? How would you be touched? What would you be doing? What would the other person say to you? What would you say? What would then happen next? What would happen next? Because then you can see like, oh, wow. Okay. So you really like being called this. You really like being touched in this way. Mm -hmm. You really enjoy this, right? And so we can start to see what or, or reminiscing on a really hot sexual scene that happened in your past. What were the ingredients that made that really hot? That would make Ooh. you want to do it again. And what are the things, you know, uh, Emily Nagoski talks about this as, as sexual um, accelerators and breaks. What are the things mm -hmm. that take you out of the mood? Is it, you know, there's no lock on the door. You're constantly worried. Somebody's going to walk in on you. Your phone goes off and then you think, oh, no, but what if it's important? that's the risky part of it, though, right? Isn't that mm -hmm. like the risk factor of it? Like keep the door slightly ajar just in case like, ooh, someone's going to look. So, so, and it depends on what your tolerance is for that, right? Mm, Many of yeah. us live at a high level of stress. And so that additional level of stress is going to be too much. Or for some, that's exciting. I might get caught. And for others, that's mortifying. And that's a mood killer. That's a total <laughs> break, right? So it depends on that can be an accelerator for some people that like, and for mm. others, it's like, that's a total break. I don't want that. I don't want to be caught. That's not sexy. Right. Mm -hmm. So again, it's about figuring out what's your turn on and what gets you in the mood. Right. That can be part of your erotic story that the door mm -hmm. is is slightly ajar and somebody my, might listen. My erotic story or my scenes would be pizza boy, plumber and professor. <laughs> there <laughs> you go. I have had sex with three of those professions. OK. Yeah. And they obviously were really hot and memorable. Super hot, super memorable. I totally not related, but I did pass the course with the professor. Um, uh -huh. Okay, good. That's, that's I helpful. I don't know if the sex is related, but we'll see. Right. Well, if you passed other courses, then probably not. <laughs> Let's just say I had to drop out after second semester. Oh, no. Oh boy, but that's a story for another time. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to uh, bring this up because uh, you we mentioned it earlier in this conversation, the difference between asexuality and the lack of libido. Yeah. Yeah, what's the, uh, what's the difference between those two? 
So <clears throat> someone who is asexual, now I'm not a real expert on this, but I'm going to venture um, my understanding of it. Someone who's asexual really has no desire to have sex. Now they may be romantically attracted to a partner. They may want to have partners. They may engage in sexual activity because they have a partner who is um, allosexual and wants to have sex. And so they do it because it's part of their relationship, part of their negotiation, but they don't feel a desire and it, it never really seems to materialize, right? Whether they're engaging in like sexy romantic things like making out or whatever, they're not interested in sex. Someone who has low libido, they may have experienced a higher libido at times, in particular, the beginning of a relationship, when they were younger, when they had less stress in their lives. So they've experienced a higher libido. They they want to want to have sex mm. often, mm. right? It's just mm. that they just can't seem to figure out how to get that wanting happening. And sometimes with some tools, they can access that. So that would be what I would consider some of the, the differences. Because I was going to say, like, asexuals can still be, like, engaging in sex with Absolutely. themselves, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. Engaging with sex with themselves, engaging in sex with their partners, engaging in sex for work. Asexual people do have sex at times, right? Some do, some don't. That's again, uh, in the range of normal. Right. Whereas someone with low libido is more of just like, uh, just feeling like, like Eeyore, just like, oh boy, you know, for like, uh, for whatever reason, stress, trauma, pain, medication, yeah. whatever. <clears throat> yeah. I think it's worthwhile looking at what are the underlying things and are there things you can do deal with those. I mean, obviously you have an Ill illness. There's not much you can do about that. You know, there's stress in your life. I mean, you know, if I had the magic pill to reduce stress in people's lives, um, that would be I great. Want I, it. I, I would, I would give it out freely, but you know, so some things are, are manageable and some things aren't. But for someone who's asexual, a lot of people will unfortunately say, oh, well, you must've had trauma and you must da 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 da. Right. For them, it's like, it's never been there. It's not there not interested in sex don't go looking for reasons it's just that's who they are and that's um yeah. acceptable and valid as an experience because all sex drives all sexualities are accepted are valid absolutely that's, that's absolutely. what normal is everything is normal in our sex drives <laughs> and we're so used to shaming people yeah, right. For have, for wanting too much sex, for wanting not enough sex, for the wrong kind of sex, for not wanting sex, like all of those things. And it's, it's like, it's, where do we start not shaming people? Like, can we just accept everyone for wherever they are in their journeys? Oh my goodness! Now I want to talk about mainly sex drives with within uh, couples. Uh, so. Let's say I have like a long-term boyfriend. I mean, I have many boyfriends, none of them mm -hmm. are long-term, but let's say I have a long-term boyfriend and I've been living with him for X amount of years. Mm -hmm. And at the very beginning stages, we're fucking like rabbits three times mm -hmm. a day, yeah. seven days a week, all of that stuff. And now yeah. down the road, I start to notice that like the sex that we're having has changed or mm -hmm. it, it's decreased and that's going to worry me a little. Mm -hmm. Now, how do I bring that up? Like, mm -hmm. uh, because th that does feel like such a sensitive topic in, mm -hmm. in a mm -hmm. lot of uh, relationships where they're like, mm -hmm. am I not sexy anymore? Do you not find me attractive? Right. How do For I, sure. how do I get my libido back to where it was in the honeymoon phase. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that we have to shift our expectations mm -hmm. sometimes that sex is not stagnant. So just because it was one way at a time with one particular partner doesn't mean it's always the same. Nothing in our life is the same. It always changes. Now, having said that, you talked about a fear. You're not as attractive to your partner. Right. If you worry that you're not as attractive to your partner, you're going to start thinking that you're not going to feel as good. You're not going to 
present yourself. You're not going to initiate sex with confidence. And that anxiety is going to take over your libido and take over your experience of sex, right? Um, and so this is part of what I was saying about taking risks. And some people find just talking about sex boosts their libido talking about the relationship and what turns you on and what's happening is really emotionally a turn on for many people. So saying like, hey, I really noticed and taking responsibility for your own part, right? Talking about your experience, what you notice, what you are feeling and not blaming you're not having sex with me as often. You're not initiating as often as you used to. You're not doing this or that. But saying it's very you know accusatory. What? You, 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 absolutely. You. Well, and that's not a you know it's a great way of putting the other person on defensive and coming back and saying, well, you know, you never do this and you don't do that. Da, 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 right? Yeah, that doesn't get us anywhere. <laughs> yeah. So you know, hey, I'm noticing we used to have sex a lot and we're not. You know, I'm curious to hear your experience. I'm still really down to have a lot of sex. My fears are coming up that you're not attracted to me. I'm, you know, a bit worried about what this means for our relationship. I just want to bring this up because I care about you, because um, I want to have a healthy, long sex life. I don't want things to get, um, uh, uh, go further downhill in terms of my experience and how I see it. I'd love to have a vibrant sex life. So, so talking about your experience and Reed Mahalko has a great difficult conversation formula. I love that, that formula. Yeah. Yeah. So this is what I want to talk about. This is why I'm afraid to talk about it, right? I'm afraid because I'm afraid of rejection. I'm afraid I'm going to look stupid. I'm afraid that you're going to judge me. I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to make things worse or I'm going to piss you off. And why I want to have the conversation is because I care about you, because I want to have a hot sex life, because I'm so attracted to you and I want to have great sex. So these are, this is what I'm noticing. This is what I'm experiencing. Tell me what's going on for you. And sometimes we can say that in person. And sometimes that's really hard to do in person. I'll just do it over text. <laughs> Send me an I, email. Yeah, an email is great because sitting there looking at you, waiting for your reaction can be terrifying, right? So I can compose it, I can have a friend look at it, make sure that I'm not saying anything accusatory. I can review it because, of course, in real life, sometimes things come out not the way we want them to. Yeah. So if we write it out, <clears throat> we can get it the best that we can where we feel like we're really taking responsibility. We're really sharing our thoughts and feelings and we're really trying to be as open as possible. We push send and then it's anxiety producing, but then our partner also has time to read, reflect, calm down notice, you know, where there's openings, you know, maybe talk to a friend and say like, I'm feeling really insulted by this. And they're like, well, look, this person's really taking responsibility. They're saying this, da, 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 whatever. And then you come back and talk about it. And <clears throat> it really allows us to have our defenses down and be open to hearing the other person. So for some, that's easier. Or you send the email and then you, the person comes back and you have a conversation, right? So, you know, technology can be really great. Let's use it <laughs> yeah. and help us communicate in lots of different ways. And help us have sex because I have a boyfriend who lives in the U.S. Yes, and right. I get him to use like those apps to control mm -hmm. my vibrator from here. I'm mm -hmm. like, oh my God, yay. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. What a yeah. blessing. But in that situation, is the act of sex the important element in rekindling that spark? Or is it more of like the connection that's missing there? Well, you know, what is sex, right? <laughs> right. Anything can be sex. <laughs> I mean, you know, like you're talking about long distance sex, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's no physical touch going on between the two of you, but mm -hmm. clearly for you, it felt like sex. Your partner might not even be touching himself, but it it's sex to them, right? Oh, he was so, definitely touching himself. I okay, saw him. all right. <laughs> but, you know, but, but, you know, there's different ways, right? And so, you know, the traditional view of sex is penis and vagina with ejaculation and orgasm at the same time. And now we add squirting for those with vulvas, right? You know, that, that just doesn't happen all the time, right? So sex can be oral sex. It can be deprivation and orgasm control, 
right? Ooh. Sex can be just kink. And and me following your orders and doing what you want me to do, that can be sex, right? So so I would say that it is about the connection, even if it's the connection to myself with a fantasy, even if it's um, a connection that doesn't involve any kind of orgasm, um, it, it is. It's about connection and, and some sense of satisfaction, I think, in that connection, some kind of feeling good, some kind of endorphins, some kind mm. of like, oh, I feel good in my body and I feel good about our connection. Is there a way to communicate that need with our partner that's not so cringe or like that makes me retreat in my shell? It's like, how do I tell my partner I want more sex? How do I tell my partner I need less sex without hurting their feelings, without like putting mm -hmm. the relationship at risk. I feel like that's a, a big fear for a lot of people that oh, had sure. this problem. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I think that's a tension in a lot of relationships. I want more sex. I want less sex. Right. How do we meet in the middle? Like compromise feels um, like kind of a no win situation. <laughs> yeah. It feels <laughs> right? almost and, boardroomy. Right. So I think the key is that we don't judge each other for our sexual desires, because very often the person with low sexual desire is kind of like, ah, what's wrong with you on sex all the time? That's not that important. And the person with a higher sex drive is judging the other person. What's wrong with you? Why don't you want sex? You know, are you not hot for me? Or you're frigid or whatever, right? All Ugh, these terms that have been frigid. used. So, so, so first of all, we have to be non-judgy and also about our own experience right? Because if we're feeling shame for our low libido, that's not going to help our libido. Also just saying like, look, let's talk about this the way we talk about our priorities around vacations, <laughs> our priorities <laughs> around chores. Our, let's plan um, it here this day. Do you have next month off? <laughs> yeah. And so I think the key is if our values are lined up, then we can work through it, right? If we If we both value sex as an important activity as something that is connecting that is healthy that is important that we can kind of come to a place where we feel good and connected if our values are off it's pretty hard just like if our values are off around vacation time or finances how how do you how do you compromise on those things yeah oh right? my god you're going to have to drop a contract or something <laughs> Well, you know, I, I think, I mean, it could look like a contract or it could look like these are things that are important to me. This is what makes sex good to me. This is what makes it worthwhile for me to have sex and take the time and get myself in the mood or whatever it happens to be. That um, if we can look at what our values are around sex and what will make it good for both of us then I think we can often find ways to make a satisfying sex life that works for everybody. Not everybody gets exactly what they want, but we can feel understood, we can feel heard, we can feel prioritized and valued, and we can have the important sexual needs met. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm going to put this in a hypothetical. Let's say the mm -hmm. couple that's been in a monogamous relationship for a while now, for whatever reason, they just can't seem to meet in the middle while remaining monogamous. Is an open relationship another viable option in this situation? It can be. I know um, uh, one couple where one person said, like, I'm really not interested in sex, you go find it somewhere else or, you know, whatever, and then just decided after a while, okay, wait a second, you're not doing that anymore. I want that relationship to be with us. I want us to feel closer. Every Friday, we're going to have sex. And um, this person said to me, sometimes it's really hot. Sometimes it's so-so. Sometimes it's kind of like, okay, well, that was a nice thing to do together. But they had a commitment. Now that worked for them. That doesn't work for everybody. The, the challenge is that sometimes going outside the relationship, it's not just about sex. 
It's about sex with you. It's oh. about sex with my partner that I love. It's about sex because we're in a long-term committed relationship and we have kids or because I want to spend my life with you or because I think you're the hottest thing going, right? Whatever it happens to be. Sometimes it's not just, I need to get my rocks off. Sometimes it's, no, I want to have sex with you. <laughs> and so an open relationship doesn't necessarily fix that. Right. It's not um, the band aid to the rupture. No, yeah. No, it isn't. Yeah. And so now sometimes we have to get creative. It might be that we watch porn together. I kiss you and touch you while you pleasure yourself. Sometimes it's um, mutual I jack off. Yeah. Or I tell you a fantasy about us while I stimulate your genitals. Sometimes it's full-blown sex. I mean, <clears throat> you know, we can get creative and think about what's going to feel satisfying where I don't feel like I'm doing something I don't really want to do. And you feel like you are getting the kind of connection that you want. Yeah. Or even role play. Like you pretend yeah. that you're strangers that meet at a bar or something. Yeah, for sure. That'll be so hot. Because <laughs> I've you done know, that before. Novelty can can go a long way, and our our imaginations, our brains, can take us to all kinds of places. Um, and so we can we can use that to invoke novelty and make it exciting. Would you say that novelty is like the key to a long lasting relationship? Yes, and in the non traditional novelty sense of it's not about how many sex toys or positions or orgasms types. It's more about taking risk. That's what's exciting. So the risk for you might be leaving the door open, right? And then after a <laughs> while that wears off, right? The risk might be sharing what really turns me on. I've never talked to you about before. The risk might be trying something different in a role play. The risk might be sharing with you that An intimate detail about yeah. myself oh, yeah God. absolutely absolutely emotions <laughs> yeah completely uh, that can be the riskiest thing for so many people i had one guy whose risk was lighting a candle because he thought that like if he just left the candle unattended it would set the whole apartment aflame <laughs> like it's gonna be fine it's a little tea candle but he's like still that's kind of like scary for me i'm like it's okay we don't have to light candles it's fine so you know we're we're very peculiar creatures and we yeah. all have creatures of habit yeah. We have our quirks. We have the things for whatever reason that turn us on. You know, is it a particular kind of shoe? Is it a particular kind of smell? Is it a particular way that somebody touches themselves? Is it a particular body part? Who knows? We're all unique. And Jack Morin in The Erotic Mind talks about using those sexual turn ons and taboos and edges of our experience, whatever they might be, to foster that kind of risk and novelty. Mm -hmm. Now, when, let's say this uh, couple, this hypothetical couple, no nothing seems to work, not even an open relationship, not even any sort of negotiation or contract. Is that basically saying, you know what, let's just end this here and here and now? Is that like another option because that seems well, they're or, so salvaging it. Yeah. Or it could be that we want to be together. We love each other. We want to live together and we have sexual connections outside of our relationship or one of us has sexual connections because the other one doesn't feel like they mm. have a libido just because we're life partners doesn't mean we have to have sex. If that's oh. not working for us, right? We can be life partners and have other sexual partners. Now, this can feel very scary because my fear is that, well, you're going to find somebody else that you're going to want to be life me. partner <laughs> with, right? And you're going to want to move out. But, you know, life is scary. And that is always an option whether somebody has sex with somebody else or not. <laughs> <clears throat> People come home and say, like, look, I'm not satisfied anymore. But if you maintain that emotional connection, you maintain openness and vulnerability in other aspects of the life, that's a really strong base that a lot of people want to maintain. 
Aw, just keeping yourself vulnerable, keeping yourself open to possibilities, keeping yourself uh, honest about mm-hmm. your needs to your partner, mm-hmm. your partners, to yourself, most importantly to yourself. Yes, uh, that's right. That's the most important part. And I think... And hard. Uh, we don't yeah. have skills to do that. It's hard. It's so hard. Nobody teaches us. This is just why no. Carlisle and no. I exist in the world. <laughs> We're yeah. here to teach you all how to navigate the hard conversations. Oh, my goodness. Carlisle, it has been such an amazing amazing conversation but if there are any words of wisdom is there anything that you want the listeners to take away from this uh this conversation just something that they can take away tonight i mean i think it all boils down to honesty with yourself about what you like what you don't like and sometimes we have to spend a bit of time trying to figure that out I think we have this idea it's just going to fall from the sky and for many people I recommend reading some erotica to get some ideas I know for myself I had a lover many many years ago who said well what turns you on I'm like I don't know I don't have fantasies right some of us just don't have them so where are we going to get those ideas from Porn is often a little bit um, uh, theatrical, uh, yeah, and narrow. Um, so, um, but like for example, Pink Label TV has a um, is a great option for looking at a broader sense of porn in terms of bodies and sizes and desires and orientations and abilities. <clears throat> so that's a great way to look. Or written erotica, read some anthologies and realize, oh, that's kind of a turn on, right? Sometimes we don't know until we've seen it. So if you want to have a hot and vibrant sex life, spend some time thinking about what turns you on, get honest with yourself, be honest with your partner, be vulnerable, be open to them and what turns them on. And The more you can have discussions, the more you can experiment, the more you can really grow together, the longer of a sexy, hot relationship you're going to have. Just like anything, right? If you're doing the same thing over and over at work, you're not very satisfied. You do the same thing over and over um, for many in their exercise routine. We find that boring, you know, so, so dig a little deeper. And you'll discover a world there that will keep you entertained and excited for a long time. Yay, growth, nourishment, and novelty. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, love it. That's what's going to get you fucking f- until we're in our deathbeds. Yeah. Oh goodness. Uh, Carlisle, thank you so much for coming on the show. Is there anything that you want the listeners to find? Can you please make like a butt and plug away anything that you want them to, <laughs> to go to? So I have two books. One is called Sex Yourself, and it's available in audio or whatever online as well as in print. And it's for cisgendered women around um, pleasure and orgasm and turn-ons and communication and includes techniques was really important to me in terms of how to pleasure yourself because a lot of women don't know or what brings a lot of people pleasure. Uh, I have another one called Anal Sex Basics. I didn't choose, well, I didn't choose a title for either book, but I don't like that it's Anal Sex Basics because it's beyond the basics, but it's all about how to learn to enjoy butt play. Um, We talk about lots of different aspects, including kink. um, pets. (laughs) Yep. Um, uh, uh, cleaning? Do you have to? Do you not? What what feels good? What do people do? Um, techniques again, um, positions for intercourse, uh, how to warm up to butt play and make sure that it's not painful. This is my big thing. Butt play does not have to be painful. Um, so mm-hmm. how to ensure Unless that that's like the pain. case? <laughs> well, of course. Yeah, then incorporate <laughs> that. But this is the big thing that holds a lot of people back. Is this going to be painful? And then you can find me at goodforher.com and my own website, carlislejansen.com, which is more about my psychotherapy practice. And send me questions. Let me know if you have thoughts or want to learn more about something. I'm happy to point people towards resources. Love that. And I will put that all in the show notes. So listeners, 
you can find Good For Her on my website, sexedwithtim.com. Use code sexedwithtim10 at checkout when you go to Good For Her and get 10% off your entire purchase. And you ship worldwide. Like, that's amazing. We do. We ship worldwide. It's a little bit tricky because we're mostly North America in terms mm-hmm. of standard order. And because um, we can verify credit cards. When it comes to international, you need to contact us and then we will ship to you. But we have to, you have to pay through PayPal uh, because we don't have a way of verifying credit but it cards. Will- and- it will get to people. <laughs> we'll get to people. We'll get, get it there. there. We'll get it there. So listeners, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Sex Advocate Podcast. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast. And with that, I'll see you all at the next episode. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Sex Ed with Tim podcast. Sex Ed with Tim is created and produced by me, Tim Lagman. Music is Aces High by Kevin McLeod. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at GaySlutClown and at Sex Ed with Tim. You can also like and follow me on the Sex Ed with Tim Facebook page. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Even better, you can also support the show on Patreon, where you can get early access to ad-free episodes and more. Thanks for all your support, you dirty little slut. Mwah! Thank you.